Greetings, Internet friends. Welcome to the audio version of Walking and Talking, the show in which I walk and talk extemporaneously and reflexively for four-hour durations, reporting on my experience in real time as it relates to topics such as philosophy of mind, consciousness, and metaphysics. In other words, continuously slicing the existential nothing burger in myriad fancy ways. If you appreciate this show, please consider donating via Patreon or PayPal, and even small donations help tremendously. I'm not running any ads or promotions on Walking and Talking and would prefer to keep it that way, meaning your donations are the only income I receive from the show. I will put the links in the show notes, and without further ado, let's get on to slicing the nothing burger. Damn, what is up, my internet friends? Welcome to Walking and Talking, the show where I walk and talk. That's the easy part to say. The part where I say the same thing every time. And now it's the part where I have to make shit up constantly. But I think I feel pretty happy to be here with you. To be able to talk about Nothing for a long time. Because you know what I do? Is I... I read and I... I watch people talking on YouTube. And I think about topical issues. Like constantly. Or, well not constantly, but... Lately, I've been doing that a lot thinking so much about things that matter, apparently. Apparently. Things that ostensibly matter. And I think to myself, I'm a smart guy. I got an opinion on this stuff. I should say something. But then if I start to start to try to formulate something to say, I hesitate. Because as I start to formulate it, as I start to say something, you know, if I start to write something or something like that, the opposite viewpoint comes up to me. I'll say something, I'll write something, I'll look at what I've written, and I'll be like, that's not even, that's not totally true. As soon as I write it, now I'm like, I see the counter-argument as valid as well. But usually that happens just in my mind, even before I say or write anything. And so... I stay silent about things a lot. Even though in my mind it's like uh, this intense dialogue going on. And here in walking and talking I can talk in a way that I hope is somewhat reflective 
of that process of moving towards truth as a continuing process that doesn't end. Hence the length, the duration, the continuous talking, the continuous, you know, revising of what I'm saying. A lot of self-doubt comes up. So much self-doubt, in fact, that I'm having to battle it often just in order to manage to keep talking, to not just totally choke myself off out of <clears throat> embarrassment or self-disgust. It's kind of trying to manage to remain in some equilibrium that's neither neither choked off by self-disgust nor overly confident and self-assured but recognizing that I don't know just talking in a way that for me feels reflective of the nature of life, I guess. And, you know, it's partly that maybe that This uh, apparent geographical distance that is putting myself somewhere relatively isolated in order to talk. Helps in a way. I don't know if I'm sitting there looking at the internet I'm getting all riled up. I gotta say something. Because what these people are saying is wrong. Or something like that. Or I'm, I'm agreeing with somebody and I'm disagreeing with somebody else. And I want to say something and, and I feel like what I'm going to say is going to piss off everybody. They're going to come. The mob's gonna come after me if I say what I'm thinking. And then uh, then maybe I start to get a, a feeling of self-righteousness in holding a contrarian opinion. And I'm imagining, yeah, the mob's gonna come after me if I say this. But then at the same time, maybe then, maybe then I'll encounter a viewpoint coming from the opposite side of what I'm thinking that is actually nuanced and well articulated and I'll be like, okay, okay. I see that too. But 
what I'm saying is, what am I saying? I'm saying that I'm, I'm here walking and talking because as of yet, I don't know why. I don't know, I can't, I can't really say why. I just am. It's just a thing that I do. It's some kind of version of contributing to some kind of conversation for me. Putting it in a place where it's available. And it's in one sense kind of narcissistic and then I have this four hour just personal echo chamber you could call it but in another sense I feel like it's working against that in that I don't have anything actively present here for me to project my emotions on that is I don't have an other here for me to get riled up about to get pissed at to label as an enemy or something like that but I have my own thoughts and am forced to forced to kind of be with them or you could say choosing to enter into a framework that temporarily forces me to be with these thoughts without any external input. I like slow thinking, you know? Slow responses. It's not that I'm not paying attention. You know, it's as if I get an idea in my mind that I need to I need to express something. I have an idea that I think I need to express. And I keep seeing all the little imperfections in that idea or the imperfections in the expression of that idea which prevent me from putting it out there and and that kind of keeps going on and on until until I just kind of get myself to do something like this in which I'm expressing or I'm sharing or whatever you want to call it but not a particular 
idea per se, I don't think. I mean, definitely not any of the particular ideas that I have been marinating in my mind leading up to this. This is not about laying those out in the way that I have been thinking of them. What it's more of an expression of is that same sort of process of questioning and this internal dialogue. It's more of an expression of that very process than it is of any particular subject matter. And maybe that's what's important, I don't know, for me to say. There's so much of very particular subject matter being expressed, and I'm taking a lot of it in. But I don't seem able to arrive exactly at a confident and succinct response that includes that particular subject matter. It's more as if my response continues to be about the process. Just kind of related, but a, a different dimension of the subject matter. There's one of those red russulas. And I do, I do talk to people about subject matter. I'll talk to friends about political stuff. Particularly now when I, I feel I myself have become, you know, mentally and emotionally <clears throat> engaged in the sort of moral panic that this country is going through. And so I'll talk to friends about it on the phone. Or in person, you know, six feet apart. And I hear what they say and I hear what I say. And I recognize that the things that I say don't constitute a concrete, a solid, a self-formed, original opinion or viewpoint, but that they are merely an agglomeration, a combination of other viewpoints that I've taken in. It's a continuation of this observation of 
the process of identity formation that is 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 so uh fluid with the outside world it's contiguous with the outside world that is the thoughts the ideologies that make up myself and it's a kind of feedback loop so for instance if i if i happen to be congenial to one particular political viewpoint and it resonates with me and I agree with it it kind of sticks there in my brain it uh, it affects what I think about myself who I think I am that particular political viewpoint becomes a small part of who I am, even though it came from the outside. I heard somebody else say it. And then, because of that, you know, being in my brain structure, if I come up to another political viewpoint that's opposing to that, then I'm less likely to resonate with that. And then, if I come up with another viewpoint that's similar, then it's more likely to resonate with me. And so it uh, kind of compounds this version of myself. It compounds this aspect of myself. And then, and even the process of disagreeing with something else, like forming my identity in opposition to another viewpoint. And so these things kind of compound, and it's like that with pretty much everything that makes up who I think I am. I mean, conceptually, ideologically, and everything. And so when I'm when I'm involved in all this conceptualizing all this political turmoil I'm I'm looking for my place within it trying to figure out who I agree with and who I disagree with I am identified with this thought. But it seems like the more identified I become with it, the less peaceful I feel. Or it's as if I don't ever it's not as if I ever arrive at a at a a final ideology. It's not as if I ever figure out exactly what I think about something and then I'm at peace like oh I I figured it out. 
but it's this constant negotiation and I'm trying not to have that become a source of emotional turmoil. In fact, I'm trying to just be able to observe that process while knowing, just kind of knowing what it is, that it is this continuous process and knowing that it doesn't truly constitute what I am in the fundamental sense because in the more fundamental sense what I am is that which is able to observe this process and if I am able to observe this process to notice it while it's going on you know to, for me to notice a pattern that I think one way one day and I think another way the other day, to notice that something that I thought was right might not be completely, might not be the ultimate truth and to hear somebody else's viewpoint and And to have my mind changed a little, to be like, oh, that your I understand that viewpoint. That seems true also. And, but it's not like, and and maybe maybe what I thought before now seems wrong, or maybe it just maybe it seems true, but it doesn't seem ultimately true. And so maybe I'm holding a couple of viewpoints in my mind that seem contradictory to each other, yet they both seem to contain some truth, and that's confusing. But I feel compelled to allow that to keep happening. Because when you see it, when, when you see that process happening, it is just apparent. That process is, is, is apparent and has a kind of truth that supersedes these small relative truths. You know what I mean? Say I have a viewpoint that I think is true then I encounter another viewpoint that seems to oppose it, but I can also recognize the truth in that viewpoint. And now I have these two contradicting viewpoints that both contain some relative truth. And so what's needed is to kind of synthesize those truths and to figure out what is, what is the truth that in which these two viewpoints are not contradictory or what is what is the truth that both of these viewpoints are expressing and so maybe maybe you trim trim off some of the fat of each one you trim off some of the relativity of each one in order to synthesize what's true about both of them into 
a a truth that transcends the two of them, but that contains what was true about each of them. And once you, when you see a truth, when you realize a truth that is relatively more true than a more, like, subordinate truth, I mean subordinate is not the right word exactly, but a truth that is relatively closer to an ult being ultimately true than the relative truths that led to it. Then you have to, you have to, that more ultimate truth has to take the place of the relative ones. And I'm saying more ultimate because I don't believe that you ever arrive at any actually ultimate truth. It's just something that, it's like a truth that withstands more tests than other truths. So there's two opposing viewpoints and they butt up against each other. They compete against each other. Maybe one of them, maybe one of them survives that collision and one of them doesn't or maybe certain aspects of either of them survive the collision and certain aspects of them don't survive the collision. But whatever, what does survive these, these validity tests, these, you know, like an ideology that you have and it butts up against reality. It crashes into reality. You have to keep testing ideas against reality and see what survives those collisions. And the things that keep surviving is our, our truths that... It's like an evolution of truth. A constant evolution of truth. And so that can happen pretty effectively in dialogue. I think if it's, you know, a good faith dialogue. I, I sort of hope for that to be happening in walking and talking. Even though it is just me here talking for four hours. I'm hoping that that type of Idea, ideas crashing against into reality is happening. And I think that it does often. In this episode, I'm not sure because, to be honest, now that I'm noticing it, I've been speaking 
kind of about the same topic for almost half an hour now. Kind of explaining and reiterating it. Doesn't seem like a, a massive amount of different ideas. I don't feel, interestingly enough, I'm not feeling so much internal conflict at the present moment. But also, also another thing to note is now I'm feeling some kind of change occur in my mind state. And it wasn't something that I was explicitly trying to bring about, but it seemed as if I kind of naturally came to the end of explaining something, and then I started to apply that idea to what's going on more presently. That is, the process that I was explaining for a while, that is being the evolutionary nature of truth via ideas competing against one another and ideas taking the test of coming up against reality I then started to kind of naturally question whether that was a strong feature of what I'm doing right now, the way that I'm speaking, because something that I notice a lot, and it's easier to notice in other people than it is to notice in oneself, is what you could say, to put it critically, hypocrisy, or projecting, or to put it, to describe it a little more subtly, hopefully, is to be Like describing, some, talking about something, whether positively or negatively, in the abstract. So, like, you know, I'm I'm talking I'm talking about abstract, as in like not in, not in, not talking about immediate, present, concrete reality, but kind of describing something more general or describing something that exists in another place or time than the immediate present. So describing something that I, a percept, my own perception of what other people in the world are doing, my own perception of the current social, political climate uh, from my perspective.
and characterizing it. Characterizing what's going on or what's not going on or what should be going on. And something that I'll see more often like when I'm listening or watching somebody else is them talking about something maybe say they're say somebody's talking about something derisively or negatively somebody's making making a negative valuation of some kind of behavior that they perceive elsewhere but in that but what's happening is in their description of that they end up doing the thing that they're describing. End up doing the thing that they're denouncing. Without realizing it. I think that's something that I, I, I can kind of perceive a lot. you know, more easily in other people, but, but then I'll sometimes notice that in my negative evaluations of some other person's behavior, that I might notice that I'm doing that myself. I'm doing the thing myself. And so for an example, maybe I'm listening to somebody talk about something and I perceive them as being close-minded and emotionally reactive. And obviously they're reacting negatively against something else. And in my perception, I'm like, you don't even realize how the closed-mindedness that you're denouncing in somebody else, you're manifesting in your de in in the reactive nature that you are enacting, that you are manifesting in your denouncement, in the in the emotional and kind of subject-object duality with which you're denouncing them. And then the next step, if I am able to make it, is me being like, oh shit, look, that's me now. Like, the, that emotional reactivity is now here, in this consciousness. And I am doing exactly I am doing exactly the thing that I'm judging somebody else for doing. Without realizing it. Or maybe, maybe I realize it sometimes.
And if you, if we want to kind of look at this phenomenon um, in sort of a logical way, it's like a chain of it's like a chain reaction. One person does something that pisses somebody else off. So somebody else being pissed off then pisses off somebody else. And so on and so on. We get we get pissed off and reactive in response to other people being pissed off and reactive. <clears throat> But interestingly, if I can recognize myself doing that, if I can see myself getting pissed off and reacting negatively to what somebody, what I, when I perceive somebody else being pissed off and reactive, if I notice that behavior in myself and notice my pissed off reaction, then the natural response is, oh, now I actually understand exactly where this person's coming from. Or maybe, maybe not if like, I, it's not a, as if I understand like precisely their exact life experience and all the contextual life experiences they've had that lead to their response. But I, I can clearly understand the sort of shared nature of their and my emotional states, you know? I'm pissed off because I perceive them being pissed off. Or I feel self-righteous, I feel self-righteously offended by their kind of self self-righteous uh, indignity. And so maybe instead of continuing that reaction, I can maybe once in a while have the wherewithal to just perceive that reaction and then and then perceive the unity between our states, my state and their state. And interestingly, like that can completely change one's perception of other people in the world. And maybe instead of me perceiving, may, I mean, maybe next time, Instead of me perceiving somebody as being a closed-minded asshole, I can, I can actually empathize with that response and understand what's... And, and be able to perceive more closely, like, 
what's shared between us. Maybe even... So, like, instead of perceiving, like, a person being an asshole, it's like perceiving just a sort of manifestation of a life process that involves whole histories of experiences that are so interconnected with my own experience And when that happens, it's, it's kind of a process of, of softening of identity, which, I don't know, can, can be kind of uncomfortable. Well, it can be, it can, it can be painful if I'm like in a state of like trying to grasp onto something solid. Trying to grasp onto something solid about my identity, which something I, I am probably finding myself doing all the time when I am in the midst of society. And sometimes it might feel like trying to swim against the stream to, to resist the temptation to form a solidified identity. But once I can get into that, it's not, it's, it's, um, it can feel less like resistance and more like balance. To just find one's orientation in the midst of turbulence. But once, you, once that orientation is found, it's like you no longer necessarily perceive turbulence or you recognize that that turbulence as actually a perception if that makes any sense or the discord that we see in the world actually being a reflection of discourse discord within ourselves And I'm not talking about, like, you magically change the world by changing your perception. You know, I, I understand you, 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 you may have this objection that that constitutes 
insulating oneself from the harsh reality of other people's suffering. Which I, uh, I totally understand, and that's, that's an important objection. But it's not exactly uh, the spirit of, of what I'm talking about. It's as if, you know, it's like, not that any of the particular concrete manifestations of reality are, are somehow magically changed. And it's not that there's no longer suffering, or it's not as if you've magically gotten rid of the suffering by and the and the turbulence by changing yourself but what it is 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 kind of a viewpoint that a somewhat transcendent viewpoint in which you can see everything that's going on as kind of meant to be going on. And I feel as if someone's going to, going to quickly take that the wrong way. As if it's not that I'm saying that the woes that you perceive in society are all meant to be. I'm not, I'm not by any means taking up this Leibniz point of view of this is the best of all possible worlds. Um... Because I, I understand that that is a, a, a philosophical vantage point that can be taken up ignorantly in order to be able to disavow or obscure or ignore one's own responsibility to the world. A position it's a, like a philosophical position that is too congenial to being in a dominating position societally that everything is meant to be this way that God ordained it this way luckily I happen to be at the top of the feeding chain that's not what I'm talking about. Um, it's like a transcendent viewpoint in which <clears throat> you can accept everything, including what you would conventionally 
acknowledge as evil and as as uh, suffering and tragic all of that accepting that as well as accepting the struggle against that kind of from this vantage point accepting both sides of those things accepting both sides of of good and evil as being as as belonging in this reality And from this vantage point, good and evil are not really useful or pertinent descriptors of anything. They're unified into each other. But, uh, and, and uh, you know, and then one, one could realize that and also understand that in many other points of their life, that they will be operating from that more relative stance, that relative perspective of seeing good and evil as separate and always attempting to align themselves with good and attempting to get rid of the evil, whether it be in themselves or in others. Because, you know, every who, who identifies with the evil? It's as if good is analogous to the truth that one feels from one's own subjectivity. You know what I mean? We, we all have a subjectivity and At core, none of that is evil, you know? It's not like evil is a fundamental quality of of anybody's being. You know, to themselves. It's like... Everyone thinks in some way or another that they are good, or even if they, or even just trying to be good, trying to root out the evil from ourselves. 
Howdy. And even if one sees oneself as being a bad person or something, uh, that still implies that you're, you are fundamentally, ultimately identified with what's good. Just in the fact that you're able to identify the, the evil in order to orient yourself more towards goodness. And I think that that's ultimately the same as true happiness or joy. Like it's as if, if, uh, but I, I'm, 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 I gotta, I gotta turn back from that tangent because I'm going too far off this, on this tangent. <clears throat> and returning, returning to saying that for me, the only movement that brings me any feeling of peace or joy is that what is the, the movement that feels oriented towards transcendent truth or transcendent good or transcendent beauty. That is the forms of truth, goodness, and beauty that unite the opposites, that that synthesize these, you know, opposing versions of truth that conflict with each other. Because if I can see these opposing versions of truth and how they conflict with each other, but yet they both contain some truth. It's like the only way for me to move now that's going to give me any feeling of peace or resolution or progress is going to be in the movement that can resolve the conflict between those two. and realize the, the truth that is contained in both of them. And like the same goes with a kind of goodness. So, what if I, what if I perceive two currents, two kind of moral currents
that seem to conflict with each other in terms of their claims to goodness, their claims to morality. Again, I'm compelled to continue to test those two claims to morality against reality and can only proceed in the direction that doesn't that that uh, resolves the conflict Just like, like, think about what if I think that there's a particular way to be good in the world? Or, uh, you know, all of us, we have some form of morality. We have some conception of morality that guides our actions. But what if we come into contact with someone else's apparent conception of morality that seems to conflict with ours. So we see somebody doing something shitty. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of imperative to, to really understand Like, what is the viewpoint that leads them to do that? Because they're not doing things... Obviously, they're not doing things feeling as if they are identified with evil. So we need to have a worldview that can encompass those other worldviews. And I don't... What I... What I don't mean is that you just condone everything else and be like, everybody else's viewpoint is just as true as mine, or, or uh, just as developed as mine, because <clears throat> obviously we can see other viewpoints that, that uh, really clash with reality. or that are, are kind of insufficient with a, a broader understanding of, of reality. Like a child growing up will have a more limited understanding of an adult's worldview, a less complex understanding of the world than an adult.
and we won't say that that child is like evil or something like that for having that worldview, that less complex worldview, that that relatively limited worldview. <coughs> But our worldview as adults accommodates that child's worldview and gives it compassion and space to grow and evolve, ideally. Where have I come up to? Just a dead end? No trespassing over there. All right. But the uh, hard thing for me is to keep letting go of past versions of myself. Or to keep integrating them into a more expansive experience and kind of amazingly this process of walking and talking right now is such a conducive framework for me personally to remain oriented and moving towards a more expansive experience of the world and better understanding of other people like a, a more complex and nuanced and empathetic understanding of other people. It's weird. It's weird. Like I'll spend, like all that time I spend uh, reading political shit on the internet and formulating ideas it's and uh, feeling kind of anxious and riled up and like what am I gonna do about all this and I'm thinking to myself about walking and talking. Oh, I, want, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. 
I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about walking and talking, when I'm in my normal life, because I'm like, how am I going to address all these false perceptions and limited viewpoints that are circulating on the internet? How am I going to address them all? Ah, I'm so, I'm so mad. Um, and I can't figure out how to express my political ideology. Um, and then I come out here, I just come out here with kind of a, a feeling of desperation, to be honest. Like, come out here because I don't know what to do. Because I don't know what else to do. I don't know how to find any kind of resolution or peace among all these things. So I just come out here with like a feeling of it being in some ways just like in some ways like a last resort or something. Like having gone through a few days of feeling really anxious about what the hell am I doing in the world? I'm, I'm watching and listening to all these other people operating in the world. They're doing something. They're involved. And here I am sitting in my house reading and I feel inert and inactive and anxious to do something. But feel all sorts of conflicting feelings about what to do, getting so riled up and confused. And then I have some kind of feeling, some kind of memory of being like, well, it seems like a, I like a lot of times I go out and walk and talk and I I discover some kind of peace, even though from my current perspective it seems like such a dumb and narcissistic thing to do, you know? From any logical standpoint, when I'm sitting at home reading the internet, the idea of going out and making a four-hour video of myself talking continuously seems like such a uh, pointless thing to do. And on the surface, it is. And, you know, it's like half, if not most of the YouTube comments are like, this is so pointless, you're wasting your life sort of thing. Uh, people that kind of take it on that surface level of the sort of superficial concept of what this is. And I, you know, I take it that way myself sometimes, which is, can be one of the difficulties of me, like, motivate, staying motivated to keep doing it. It's hard to stay motivated to keep doing this. But, now I'm doing it, I'm inside the reality of it. 
it's once again just like this uh it's a wonderful feeling it is and it is like an act of it's an act of resolving all of the internal conflict that i feel it's it's an act of discovering what my personal response is to all the opinions and information that I'm taking in. It's like, this is it. And I, I don't mean that in the definitive sense. I say it's an act of that because it's, it's active, it's, it's moving, it's progress. It's not a solid thing. It's not a solid stance. I don't think maybe other people can perceive it as being such, but let me tell you, the more we perceive external things, anything external to us as solid and concrete, the more that characteristic manifests in ourselves. That is, the more solidified we become ourselves because our perception of external reality is nothing more than uh, a reflection of of our subjective reality of our subjective experience the way that our consciousness is currently structured in the current moment But uh, it seems like attention has to build up with me. I noticed that pattern. Like now I'm describing the wonderfulness of this experience of walking and talking and this, this peaceful feeling of the the movement and catharsis and and resolution of internal conflicts i recognize that that's also somewhat dependent in a way on the building up of those internal conflicts And it's as if the more those conflicts are built up, the more power they release upon their, what should I say, like catalyzation. It's like a potential energy building up for a chemical reaction. But in in my remembered experience, 
of this conflict. It's it's uh, so bad. It's like I feel lost. I feel completely lost. I feel despair and depression and hopelessness and and just this all this inner turmoil of not knowing what the hell I'm doing in the world, not knowing what the hell I'm doing with my life. And even a, a feeling of that, like being endless, like that's gonna persist forever. Um, and it also, like, disturbingly feels like the truth. It feels as if that meaninglessness and pointlessness and negativity is the total truth of reality. And in a sense, it is. But it's just, it's just that it's, it's not the total truth. It's the truth of that moment and now. In this moment, something opposite to that is true. And so here I am, able to perceive Two truths that totally oppose each other. One of these truths being that of conflict, meaninglessness, hopelessness, doom, you know, just doom for the world. It's all, it's all. It's all doomed, you know? Deadly pandemic. Moral panic. Um, intensifying. Political polarization about... Uh, about shit increasing violence and and uh, feeling this like <clears throat> this just like ratcheting up of societal tension that's like gonna fucking snap and there's just gonna be all this uh, like this this just like feeling of impending bloodshed you know on the societal level like what the f fuck is gonna happen like um and the you know just like total lack of any kind of security for the future of the of our society just like watching it just come off the tracks and just get worse and worse 
you know, the world feeling like a train wreck and me personally feeling totally powerless to do anything about it, totally confused as to what I even could do. It seem, seems like everything that I could do, like, kind of like would feed into it in one way or another. So that, that being like one side of the truth. And, and now the, the truth that, uh, <clears throat> seems more true in this moment. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, I don't know if it's exactly the opposite of that. But it's it's something like it it is it is a, a a type of optimism. I could say a type of optimism, an optimism that this this tension that I see building up in myself that seems hopeless sometimes in actuality can and does transform into it's into an opposite experience of reality where 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 truth and goodness and beauty actually are starting to show up To move, to move, to be moving, moving in the direction of more truth, more goodness, and more beauty, is something that I feel happening just personally, individually, like within this walking and talking episode. This, this thing that I from in other moments like feel like it's a stupid narcissistic thing to do but now inside of this reality it feels vividly real and peaceful and good and like I'm moving the 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 tension inside myself is moving along for now at least you know and that I, that I have some kind of grasp on a direction, an orientation towards truth, goodness and beauty. I'm sorry, sorry for saying that so much, but, uh, and to be able to feel that at the same time as um, holding the the truth of the fucked upness of the world and holding the truth of this this ins- this seemingly insanely ratcheting up tension societally 
like if I if I can be so bold as to draw an analogy between the inner and outer and in my experience like they they are they very much are contained within each other and mirror each other <clears throat> then in addition to the pessimism I may also hold on to a grain of optimism that that this tension is part of a process of movement towards movement for society, progress for society, peace even, maybe, you know, and not, not as an ultimate static achievement or end point, but as a process, peace as a process that this conflict that exists right now, uh, we, it is possible to perceive it as being a part of the process of peace. A part of the movement of the evolution of society. Tension building up into an unbearable amount, but the more I feel like I can perceive it as being kind of inextricably linked to its its apparent opposite of of being societal peace and and tolerance and reasonable clear thinking um, then I, I feel like I can I can be with it more tolerably and relate to it more productively with with a little bit with a little bit wider perspective without without reacting to it in a way that cranks up the internal tension in myself to uh, an unbearable degree
But, you know, lest I become overly peaceful and then complacent, I better just keep... I have, I have to kind of stay actively involved in this process. You know, here, walking and talking, actively talking, which means actively thinking and formulating my thoughts in relation to my understanding of the, the general public's thinking on things. That is, I am speaking in a way that I hope to be at least legible to you. And I am holding you in my mind, I guess, as an abstraction, but also as, as very real. So I'm holding, holding you in my mind and I'm formulating my thoughts with you in mind. <clears throat> and so to continue with this process of talking, in a way, even though it's only happening as kind of a monologue here, At least within my experience, it's like like there is some kind of dialogue taking place. I mean, but the dialogue is between what I perceive as myself and what I perceive as the rest of the world. <clears throat> and I'll put it asterisk on that because ultimately those things are are just two facets of the same thing but it has an effect of holding an accountability to what I say And I'm seeing this as also metaphorical for being in the world. That is, I can't become too peaceful and complacent in my thinking because then it, it loses touch with reality it has to keep crashing into reality, keep crashing into reality, keep evolving, even when that's painful. Like for instance, me now, <clears throat> retrospectively being able to view and past many, several of the past several days of total anxiety about politics and society 
um, and how they relate to my personal experiences to now be able to retroactively view all that discomfort as a productive and important process not just for me personally but in terms of my relation with the world and like in a weird way in a weird way to to like go through 